you are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A great Tuesday show for you. We're going to talk about the World Series. Got some thoughts on it. We're also going to talk about a lot of NFL notes for you. Number one, the stat that I've talked about all season long that has continued into this last weekend, now 0-7 against the spread, and I have your breakdown for you. We're going to go over each week and what I'm in, what I'm talking about. I've also got the season win totals for you in terms of where we're at and if you did bet the win totals I gave you before the beginning of the season in the NFL, we are really looking good. It could be a uh, four what did I do? Four of them? Yeah, four win totals and a division winner uh, that we're looking at. They're looking good right now. Could be heading for a 4-0 season. And just so many things that I want to get over, go over, and including a couple games that I stayed away from this weekend that are plays that you probably thought I was going to do in the in the pros, and I didn't. So get to all that and much, much more, and we'll get to all that momentarily. So let's first start off with this. The Texas Rangers continue to absolutely amaze me, and they should be amazing everybody in the history of baseball, considering they're doing something that's never been done before. They've won every road game they've played. Now, most teams don't play nine road games in in a postseason. The Rangers are going to play 11. They have to because they're only up 2-1 and they still have two more games in Arizona. But they are 9-0 on the road. They are 2-4 at home in the playoffs, 9-0 on the road, and they are two wins away from winning the World Series. Those two wins could happen tonight and tomorrow. Those two wins could happen games six and seven. They could lose tonight and tomorrow and games six and seven and win those. But they still have two more road games. I mean, can you imagine if this team sweeps Arizona in Arizona, wins the World Series, and goes 11-0 and in the playoffs on the road? It would be unheard of. It's already unheard of what they're doing, 9-0 and at home. And what did I always say about momentum? It's like it's literally in baseball it's as good as your next day starting pitcher and as good as basically nothing. There's no momentum that carries over in baseball from game to game. We there's, there's no momentum within the game in baseball, but after game one with the Rangers winning that game in the fashion that they did and Adolis Garcia hitting an opposite field, extra inning home run. It's like, Oh my gosh, this is the Rangers world series. Like they can't do anything wrong. This guy has now hit a home run in five consecutive games He's the hottest hitter. He leads the history of baseball in postseason RBIs. And there's still five games, six games left in the series, or, or at that time possibly three more. And then what happened the very next day? Saturday night. The Diamondbacks beat the Rangers 9-1. to So it's almost like, great. The Rangers got their win in, in the first game. Great fashion. Places going nuts. But then the very next day they lost 9-1. So it doesn't really matter. Clearly, The fan base being so excited for an extra inning win on a walk-off home run didn't carry over into the next day. So then the Arizona Diamondbacks have a 9-1 win in Game 2 under their belt. They're going home for three straight games, and after getting their doors blown off 9-1, what do the Rangers do last night? They can't do anything wrong with their pitching staff. They get three early runs, and it holds up. They give up one run. Arizona really never threatens, and the Rangers win 3-1. It's just crazy. Here's something else that I want to actually educate people on. And I hope maybe when you're watching these games, you are being educated. And if you're not, it's 
it's either because you don't want to be or you have the sound down. And I don't know why he's taken so much shit over the years because I think he's he's the best analyst in baseball. He might be the best World Series analyst I've ever heard. Are you listening to John Smoltz when he speaks during these games? Are you listening to his analysis of what's going on almost batter to batter, pitch to pitch? I mean, this guy's a former World Series winner himself. He's a Cy Young Award winner, pitched in the majors for a long time, was a dominant starter and a dominant reliever. Not many people can say that outside of probably Dennis Eckersley. But John Smoltz, if you listen to him, and obviously having watched every Ranger playoff game, once they got to the LCS, Joe Davis and John Smoltz have been on every Ranger series. They were on the Rangers Astros, and now they're on the World Series. I can't get enough of John Smoltz of how good he is at analyzing a baseball game. And you could be like, well, yeah, Steve. I mean, he played the game, and he played it at an elite level, and he was a pitcher, so clearly he's going to be good. But, yeah, he's good at the – he's excellent at all the pitching stuff. Knows exactly what to say, and he doesn't dumb – and he dumbs it down enough to where the audience doesn't feel like he's coming off as a know-it-all whatsoever. He's explaining to you pitch framing, pitch sequences – what the Arizona Diamondbacks are trying to do to the Rangers hitters, what the Rangers pitchers are trying to do to the Arizona Diamondbacks, but he's also great from a hitting perspective, and this is a guy that didn't even need to hit in his life. Hitting wasn't something he really practiced. So, And I know it's so easy to jump on announcers. If you're a Diamondbacks fan, you probably feel that John Smoltz is homering towards the Rangers. And if you're a Ranger fan, you probably think he's homering towards the Diamondbacks. Look, I want the Rangers to win because I have money on them. Yes, I've been out here for 17 years now, and it'd be nice to see the local team win, sure. But I'm not. I've been to I've been to one Ranger game in 17 years. I'm not a seam head. I'm not a huge Ranger diehard. But would it be cool to see the local team win? Sure. Um, and more so because I'm going to win my bet. But I can be objective when I'm watching a game and tell you who's good broadcasting a game and who isn't. John Smoltz is excellent. I, I, there's no other way around it. This guy is a teaching clinic when you watch a baseball game. I hope you can appreciate that. And maybe some of you don't even care. And a lot of people that I know just say like, God, why do these people talk during the game? We don't need announcers and stuff like that. I don't know. For me, I geek out on this stuff because I look for who's good and who teaches me stuff. When I had FP Santangelo on back when he was the Nationals color guy, I told him I emailed FP Santangelo on Instagram out of the blue one day because I was watching a Nationals game and I was so amazed by how much he taught me as just a guy who likes watching baseball. And I emailed him on Instagram one day and said, hey, you don't know who me from Adam, but I just wanted to tell you, I think you're a great analyst because I really learn a lot listening to you. You don't make me sound, you don't make it sound too difficult. You dumb it down for me. You dumb it down for the audience. You don't sound condescending and you don't come across as a know-it-all. And he thanked me and He's been a podcast guest two or three times. Come to find out, there is a Bachelor Nation tie to him because he knows Jacqueline Trumbull, which is random because his ex is really good friends with Jacqueline. But that's what I mean. Uh, I'm not going to DM John Smoltz, but I just, I geek out over this stuff. I like learning when I watch sports. I feel it improves my knowledge of the game and I can talk about it better if I know some of the nuances and just listen to John Smoltz when he's broadcasting this game. And these games, I mean, even if you just start tonight, you will learn something. I guarantee it. It's impossible not to. And if you say you didn't, then you're kind of being, um, 
you're kind of being entitled and you're you're coming across as making it seem like you know it all. Trust me. I've been watching baseball since the 80s. And every single time I listen to a John Smoltz broadcasted baseball game, I learn something. I think he's excellent. I love the fact that he's on the World Series. So there's my three minute or whatever I did spend talking about John Smoltz. But pay attention tonight. If you haven't and you haven't been watching the ALCS and haven't been watching any of the World Series, if you tune in tonight and watch three or four or five innings, you will learn something for sure. All right, let's do some NFL talk here. And I want to talk about this because this is something I brought up that I mentioned was on the Bill Simmons podcast and when he was talking about the NFL games and he said, man, it just seems like the team that looks the best in the NFL on any given week seems to seems to either lose the next week outright as a favorite or they don't cover. Well, I went back and looked. Now, granted, this is subjective because basically I'm choosing one game in the NFL every week that was I'm pointing to them as, wow, that was probably the best win of the weekend. Some people might disagree. That's what I'm saying. It's subjective. But I don't think I'm far off when I'm saying this was the best win. If not, it was a good win. And what I'm the whole point is the best win or one of the top wins in the week of every NFL week, the very next week, that team hasn't covered all season. They are now 0-7 after it happened again this past weekend. And I'll give you the examples. In week one, Probably the best win of the season was San Francisco going into Pittsburgh and winning 30-7. to Because Pittsburgh, we know, good home team, especially as a home underdog. Mike Tomlin has the best record of any NFL head coach as a home underdog in the history of the league. And San Francisco went in there and blew them out 30-7. to Like, it wasn't close. What happened next week? San Francisco was at home. They were laying eight against, or on the road, they were laying eight against the Rams. And they only won by seven. Did not cover that stat 0-1. The best win of week two was probably the Dallas Cowboys, the way they beat the New York Jets. The Jets were coming off a Monday night football win against the Buffalo Bills. They come into Dallas. Dallas was coming off a spanking of the New York Giants in week one. They come home, and they beat the Jets by three touchdowns. You're just like, man, that is – and the Cowboys are now sitting at 2-0. and They had two blowouts in their first two games. Week three – the Cowboys lose on the road to the Arizona Cardinals as a nine-point favorite. They lose the game outright, 28-16. So now that stat is 0-2. However, the best win of Week 3 was, we know, Miami beating Denver, 70-20. to Everybody was talking about it. Look at this offense. It can't be stopped. What happened in Week 4? Miami lost by three touchdowns, excuse me, four touchdowns to Buffalo, 48-20. to So now that stat is 0-3. What was the best win of Week 4? There were, I could say, I will take two for this one. I'd say the Buffalo win over Miami, 48 to 20, beating a team that just won by 50 points the week before. So Buffalo winning by 28 is a big win in week four. And Dallas beating New England 38 to three, because now you got a Dallas team that's coming off a bad loss, comes home and beats Bill Belichick by 35 points, the worst loss he's had in the history of his career. So those two teams in week five, what happened? Buffalo loses to Jacksonville outright. Dallas loses to San Francisco by 32 points. So now that that stat, if you include both of them, that stat is now 0-5. Best win the following week, don't cover. Dallas loses outright. Jacksonville loses outright. But let's just count one of them. Let's just say Dallas was. Or Buffalo, doesn't matter. So 0-4. So what was the best win in week five? Probably San Francisco beating Dallas by 32 points on Sunday night football. 
What happened next week to the San Francisco 49ers? Lose at the Cleveland Browns outright as a seven-point favorite, and the Cleveland Browns started P.J. Walker in his first NFL start. Stat is now 0-5. So what was the best win in week six? Probably Cleveland beating San Francisco. What did Cleveland do the next week? Did not cover on the road against Indy. Should have lost the game outright, but did win it 39-38 as three-point favorites. Did not cover. That stat is now 0-6. What was the best win of week seven? Easily Baltimore beating Detroit 38-6. Detroit was 5-1. Everyone was de- deeming them the maybe the favorites in the NFC, maybe getting the one seed in the NFC, and Baltimore beats them by 32 points. What happens this past weekend? Baltimore goes on the road, laying 9.5 in Arizona, and they don't cover. So that stat is now 0-7. The best win of the NFL week has not covered. That team that had the best win in NFL week for the first eight weeks of the season did not cover the following week. 0-7 against the spread. Three of the four won the game outright, but four of them just lost, flat out lost the game the next week. So what's the biggest win of this week? Hmm. Of this past weekend? Um... I'd probably say um, Cincinnati. Cincinnati going into San Francisco and beating them by two touchdowns, even though San Francisco was on a two-game losing streak, I'd say that was probably the best win of the weekend. Maybe Denver, but to say that Denver could possibly lose next week, actually I think Denver might be on a bye next week, so it doesn't really count for them. So you got to take somebody who's actually playing next week. I'd say, um, I'd say Cincinnati. And Cincinnati hosts Buffalo. Buffalo is at Cincinnati. So the lean would be to take the Bills because Cincinnati is coming off the best win in the NFL this past week. The facts are all there. Um, I just laid them out for you. So whether or not you want to follow it, it's up to you. I don't necessarily know if this means I'm going to go against Cincinnati only because Cincinnati is now playing better than they ever have, and they're actually playing a good team. A lot of these teams, and you looked at the game the following week, they were playing. They were coming off a great win, but outside of looking like that Miami game, you know, Dallas went on the road, lost to Arizona. That's Arizona's only win of the season. So it's like a good team coming off a big win, playing against a shitty team, it's like an automatic letdown. You just can't get up for the game. You're just like, look, we just beat somebody by – one of the best teams in the league by four touchdowns. Now we got to go on the road and play these, you know, sacks of shit. And they can't get up for it. Just like Baltimore struggled all game against Arizona. But only one would probably be Miami when they went and played Buffalo the following week. And after winning by 50, they lose by four touchdowns, you know. Um, it just – Cleveland beating San Francisco the following week, playing Indy and barely beating them. Should have lost the game outright. It, it, there's just there's just so many, and you're just looking at it like, man. So I don't necessarily know if this is, means I'm going to be on Buffalo this week because Cincinnati has completely turned their season around, and this is the Cincinnati Bengals team that people expected for the whole season, and beating San Francisco by two touchdowns on the road and then coming home and only being a three-point home favorite against Buffalo – when Buffalo has not been good on the road this year, it doesn't – it fits the criteria of the best win of the week hasn't covered the following week, but they're not playing somebody shitty. If Cincinnati was coming home 
and was laying seven or eight points at home against a bad team, I absolutely would have taken the bad team plus the points. But they're playing Buffalo. They have a reason to get up for the Buffalo game. So we'll see. But I just wanted to lay that out for you, that it's, it, 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 it isn't just a rumor. It's an amazing stat that for whatever reason, the team that produces the best win of the week can't cover in the next week. And a lot of it has to do with motivation. You can't tell me these guys are fired up. The Baltimore Ravens, that game was sitting there for them to lose outright and not cover nine and a half. I was just like, they just beat the Lions by 32 points and everyone is blowing smoke up their ass about how good the Ravens are. How can they go on the road and get excited to play the Arizona Cardinals? They can't. And they struggled for a long time on that. So, and they didn't get the cover. Keep that in mind. Over under win totals. This is interesting because we're doing really well on these. If you remember back in the Friday before the season started, I did my podcast from Las Vegas. I gave you four over. Uh, I gave you four NFL totals to bet, and I gave you a division winner to bet. The first one was the Pittsburgh Steelers over eight and a half. This is probably our closest one, just because the Steelers' offense is so bad. However, as bad as they've been, they're still four and three on the season, so they have ten games left and they need to get us five wins. All they have to do is play 500 ball the rest of the year. They finish 9-8, and eight, and Mike Tomlin keeps his streak alive of never finishing under 500 as a head coach of the Steelers. So that one is still alive, and it's probably the closest one that we might not have just because Pittsburgh, of the teams that we did bet in these totals, probably looks the worst. Offensively, they are just lost. They've got no good players on offense. Their defense keeps them in every game, and if their defense can't give them short fields or can't get them turnovers, their offense can't drive and can't score. But we still have a chance because last year was the same exact thing for the Steelers, and they got hot towards the end of the season. The other one was the Saints over 9.5 wins. They are sitting there at 4-4 four and four after eight games, so we've got nine games left, and they got to go 5-4. and four. You can be like, okay, well, they're only 4-4. Four and four. Can they go 5-4? and four? Well, if you look at the Saints' schedule, I think we got a good chance to go five and four because this week they host the bears and the bears are playing Tyson Badgent at their quarterback. And then next week they're at Minnesota, a team that's going to have either a rookie playing quarterback, or if they make this trade for Jameis Winston, which looks like it's happening, Jameis Winston will have one week of practice, two weeks of practice as the Minnesota quarterback. If the saints and then they have their, and the saints then have their bye week so if the Saints can go 2-0 and over these next two weeks, home against Chicago should absolutely win that game. I don't care what happens. At Minnesota will be a tough game because Minnesota has played well at home. They beat the Niners at home, but they also had good cousins. They're going to be breaking in a new quarterback. I, I think New Orleans can win that game. New Orleans, if they can win these next two and go 6-4, and four, then they head into their bye week. We need four wins out of their last seven games. Look who they play their last seven games. Atlanta twice, Detroit, which will be tough, but you figure you can split against Atlanta. I'll give you Detroit. I'll give you a a loss for Detroit. Carolina at home, that should be a win. That's two. Giants at home, that should be a win. That's three. And then between at Rams and at Tampa Bay, you just have to win one of those two. And that's if you split against Atlanta and lose to Detroit because all you would need is four wins at that point because you'd be six and four heading into the bye with seven games left. You just have to go four and three in your last seven. Very, very doable for the New Orleans Saints if you bet that over. 
if Carolina Panthers under seven and a half, like you can't collect on wins just yet. And I know they won their first game this past weekend, but they are now one in six. Do you honestly think they're going to go seven and three the rest of the way? No, they're not going to. That bet is an absolute winner already. And the Jacksonville Jaguars over nine and a half. They're six and two. All they need to do is go four and five over their last nine games for us to cash the over in the Jacksonville Jaguars. So really good season so far. And then the other only other bet we have with those is the total or the division winner for the NFC South. I told you I love the New Orleans Saints uh, to win the NFC South. Well, right now they are tied for first place in the NFC South at four and four because the NFC South is one of the worst divisions in football. It has combined record is the worst record of the combined teams in any division. So right now in the NFC South, Falcons are four and four saints are four and four Buccaneers are three and four Panthers are one and six. So this is going to come down to saints and Falcons probably. And remember in those last seven games after their bye, they play the Falcons twice. Like the saints are going to control their own destiny. You get these two wins these next two weeks against the bears and at Minnesota six and four into the bye week. And you play the Atlanta Falcons twice in the last seven weeks. I think I think New Orleans slow start. I think they're going to turn it on. I I really think that this bet is going to win as well. I think they're going to win the West or win the South and win and hit their over win total. I just they're too good not to. Too good of defense. They're going to turn it around. They haven't been great. I get it, but man, they are playing really. They're starting to play really really well, and it's the reason I like them from the beginning of the season. Remember the reason I told you. They don't play any of the top six quarterbacks in the league. When I said, hey, name the top six quarterbacks, you know, you go Hurts, Mahomes, Burrow, um, uh, you know, we had six. <laughs> I'm just, I'm drawing blanks. Uh, Hurts, uh, who, who are the best quarterbacks? Oh, uh, you know, two, oh, Lamar, that was one of them. Like I said, Hurts, Mahomes, Burrow, Lamar, um, uh, they didn't, I, I can't remember if I named Stan. Oh, Herbert uh, as one of the best ones. And I, I think I had A-Rod in there, and that was before A-Rod got hurt. So, yeah, and they didn't play any of them. So still don't play any of them. So I think I think it's looking good. So hopefully um, a lot of you tallied me back in September when I gave you uh, those plays. But that's where we're at. We're going to obviously keep track of it all season long, but looking really good and possibly headed for a 4-0 and sweep in NFL totals and maybe a 5-0 and with the Saints winning the NFC South. I've got so many more NFL stats to give you tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be probably nothing but NFL statistics because there's a lot of good ones uh, that I have from this past weekend that have come out with gambling statistics, just regular statistics in terms of the Cowboys. Patrick Mahomes' streak is broken, something that I never even thought was – I didn't even realize was a stat until Sunday when they were playing the Broncos – Anyway, so much to get to tomorrow in the NFL, and we'll, we'll definitely hit on that. So thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also rate and review if you can. Tell your friends about it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.